Listeners, Condor of the Cultured, episode nine coming at you. That was Cyan Nugent with his album Night Fiction. Listened to it yesterday for the first time and fell in love with it. Great guitar work, um, bit of a folky album, folky little blues, uh, kind of a nice balance between the two. Reminds me a little bit of uh, Riley Walker, and maybe that's because I think they're both Irishmen. Um, well, let's check up on that real quick. We're already, we're already having it fact-checked at the beginning of the episode. Let's see, Riley Walker. I believe they're both Irish. Um, either way, insanely talented. Um, I, I, I think he's worth a listen. Um, oh, no, he's he's from Rockford, Illinois. <laughs> Riley Walker, and we're, we're off to a great start of the podcast. Um, Riley Walker is from Illinois, not from Ireland. Well, I guess it's just his folk music. It's so, it's so damn folky. I thought he was Irish, but... Uh, I had to let that play for a little bit. I know that was a bit of a long intro, but uh, the guitar work on that album is insane. Uh, like I said, I listened to it for the first time yesterday. 
I was kind of just uh, checking around Pitchfork, looking at some new albums, trying to just find something new to listen to. I don't even think I featured just a new artist or a new album on this show yet. I think I've only talked about uh, music that I'm already into. And so I was just trying to research a little bit and I kind of just came across this and, it, and the way they were describing it with his guitar work and, and uh, the way he moved up and down the fretboard. I'm like, all right, well, let's check it out. Obviously, this will be of interest to me. Um, listen to it. And, and frankly, it's, it's unbelievable. That song itself. I mean, that's an eight minute song. I only played it for three and a half minutes. And actually my favorite part of it, of that entire song comes at like the five minute or six minute mark. I mean, it really is an insane album in terms of how the songs develop and how they, um, move within and without. And, and also the structure, it's so something that is, it's something you're not going to be used to. And it's frankly, it's beautiful. I, I think it's very, uh, it is a very sentimental album. Um, I haven't even really listened, you know, I haven't really listened into the lyrics that much. I mean, I've only listened to the album probably a couple of times. It's probably like the fifth time I've listened to that song, but I already, I mean, it had that much of an effect on me at first, um, at the four minute mark. And I was going to let it play through, but I'm like, ah, you know, <laughs> we're not going to start off the podcast with a nine minute song intro. Um, but around like the five or six minute mark, I mean, it, it just completely shifts tonally and um and shifts gears 100 i mean it, it just stops with that whole vibe you were hearing there with the with the chorus and going back in the and the little guitar solo ends and then it ends up shifting to about I, I think like somewhere around like four or five guitar chords just kind of running one after the other one after the other and it's just it's gorgeous i mean it's it's very it's it's a gorgeous use of the guitar i mean he's he's obviously talented um so I, I think he's worth a listen. Cyan Nugent uh, with the album, what is it called? See, I don't even know what it's called. What it's called. I haven't even listened to it that much. But uh, Night Fiction, yeah, you got to listen to it. You got to give it a give it a shout. And and I'm I'm just excited to feature it because it's like I said, it's a new album. I haven't talked about any new music on this podcast yet. I mean, I've been like, oh, I like Mac DeMarco, I like Thundercat. Well, it's 2016. Let's go. So let's start it off with that album. I mean. I'm going to keep listening, see if I really love it as much as I'm saying I do, but I, I, I'm certainly enjoy it. And I think to enjoy it for, I mean, literally less than 24 hours ago, I'd listened to it for the first time. So I, and I thought it was worthy. So I'm going to play that. And then, and then I'm going to leave you with another song off that album. Um, it's going to be a long one and I'm going to let that one play. Cause it, it's a lot like that, that song I just played, which is actually called shadows. Um, it's a lot, uh, it's a lot like that song. It really gets rolling and, um, and around like the four or five minute mark. And, it, and again, it, it completely shifts. And, and I was reading the, uh, and I'll, I'll give it a shout out of course to, to pitchfork. I don't think it matters that I don't think they're listening or really care about, um, this podcast or anything, but you know, obviously they're, they're a good inspiration for some of the music here. I, I usually check their website first above, you know, Rolling Stone or anything like that. Try and find new music, new, okay, you reviewed this album. You gave it a good score. Let me listen to it. I mean, there's plenty of albums they'll review on there. I'm like, ah, oh, this is just too out there for me. Um, but I, you know, I saw this album was good and I, I actually read the review and I thought it was really well written. Um, what they did is, you know, the song titled things don't change fast. They kind of used it as a bit of, um, kind of like an allegory for, for the album itself. And I'm going to look up allegory while I say that, because I'm pretty sure I'm using that correctly. Yeah. Oh man. A story, poem, or picture that can be interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning. Typically, a more oh no symbol. Yeah, no, it's symbol. I mean, yeah, fuck it. It's a symbol for the album. It's a, it's a metaphor for the entire album. We can just say that. We won't use allegory. Um, fucking AP literature coming at you. High school, sophomore year. Um, 
but but either way, it, it's kind of the song, you know, what what they said in the article, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but they say, you know, things don't change fast, as as he literally shows in the album. You know, you're listening to that song, four minutes in, you're like, oh, this is really slow and kind of just a different vibe, and and a whole different kind of music. I've never really featured on this podcast, which is exciting. But they said, you know, things don't change fast, but when they do, it's well worth it. Kind of, you know, it's well worth it. It's very. Uh, I mean, we can pull it up here and see what they said exactly. I mean, I thought it was really well worded. I thought it was, and it was a great, you know, a great interpretation of the album. I mean, you realize, okay, reviewing music, talking about music honestly and effectively and efficiently through, you know, a few paragraphs is really hard. And reviewing these albums, it's it's really cool because you hear from them, you know, and obviously, uh, obviously Pitchfork is, is one of the better uh, one of the better musical public publications out there. So you wouldn't expect anything less than the best from them, but it's, you know, it, it is really well written and it's and obviously, you know, check out their website. So I, I think I owe it to say, if you, if you are listening and you haven't looked at their website or, or listen to them for music, um, for music and, uh, and even movies and stuff, they kind of talk about a bunch of different media. So I, I got to give them a shout out because they are a big inspiration for this podcast. I mean, they're, they're really a huge reason why I got into music. So it's only fair. Uh, and so let's see here. Um, the aforementioned things don't change fast could be a monologue. Let's see here. Where do they say it? Demonstrating quite plainly that no, things don't change fast. Things don't change. Oh yeah. The last sentence, of course, things don't change fast, but when they do, they change dramatically and for the better. I mean, oh, that's awesome. What a great interpretation of that album of all the songs on there. There's a lot of songs on there that are nine or, you know, nine minutes long, eight minutes long. And, and it's, and they change. I mean, they change halfway through, uh, they, they completely shift and, and it's very bold to do that, especially as a musician. I mean, this guy has like a thousand followers on Spotify, so I'm excited to just promote him and hopefully listen to him and check him out. I'm glad I found him. It was kind of like a, kind of like a little bit of a godsend there. I'm like, Oh, I just need something to talk about on the podcast. I want to do it. I got a few days off. Um, I'm in between jobs right now. It's very exciting. You got that week off to just kind of do nothing, but you know, I'm slightly trying to be productive. Uh, and, and so wanted to get a podcast out there for you guys before I head out to new Orleans for Mardi Gras this weekend, which is going to be just a, just a hell of a time. I can't wait. I had a, had a great time last year. I'll, I'll have a great time this year. I'm sure as well. So, um, I'll definitely do a follow up as well <laughs> after that experience. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to it, but I'm glad, I'm glad to be doing one, one episode before, uh, before, before heading out and, and, um, getting, you know, obnoxiously drunk in public. <laughs> let's, let's be, let's just boil down Mardi Gras into one phrase. That's, I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, but, but yeah, so, so either way, listen to, listen to Cyan Nugent. I, I think he's well worth your time. Be patient with it. Um, just like any other music I suggest on this show, it, it might just be something like, ah, oh, this isn't me. This is too slow. This is too folky. This is, you know, just listen to yourself. Don't, don't, that's the beautiful thing about music. I mean, it really is up to your interpretation and you could listen to all the music I feature on the show and say, well, this fucking sucks, but at least that's funny. At least you give it a chance. And I, and I really try and recommend it's kind of like when you watch a movie with a friend and you're sitting there the whole time and, and they're sitting next to you, not enjoying a movie and, and you're in the theater and you're like, fuck, I knew they wouldn't enjoy it. I shouldn't have seen the new Mel Gibson. Movie. It's like, <laughs> that actually happened to me one time. Took someone to see like the Mel Gibson movie. Um, oh God, it was so bad. It was like, it was like post breakdown post, 
uh, anti-Semitic comments, drunk slurs, all this shit. And it was like a revenge movie. You know, it was very stereotypical. It was so fucking bad. And I saw it with this person and I'm just, I was still like a Mel Gibson nerd. Cause I love, you know, Braveheart and all those great movies. Of course, who doesn't what women want? I mean, okay, come on. I like that movie, whatever. No. Uh, but really I, I went and saw this movie and the whole time I'm sitting in the theater and this person's like, Oh fuck. I'm like, God, what was I thinking? What was I goddamn well thinking? And, and so I, I think it's kind of like that. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll go see a movie with somebody and you're worried about their influence on it. You know, I saw The Revenant with my girlfriend and she was, you know, kind of, I mean, she handled it well. She liked it, but you know, some of the gruesome parts, she was like, Oh, cringe. Like, I don't know if I can handle this. Me, I can kind of just like, I'm like, fuck it. Let's do it. I know it's a movie. I can, I can handle it. You know, I mean, I, I try and be as, try and keep my eyes on the screen as much as possible. That does not go the same for scary movies, but either way, not a scary, not a scary movie fan. We're just going to put, put it that way. Uh, nonetheless, it, the reason I'm talking about it, it's the same with music. I, I think sometimes there really is something valuable in listening to music by yourself, intimately, alone. And it's kind of why when I was talking about the record players listening to things on vinyl, it, you don't have that influence from someone outside um, with their opinions there. And not, not that they're going to fog them up, not that you shouldn't respect other people's opinions. That's fine. But you should make your opinions for yourself before anything else. And that's why I know it's like, well, I, I check Pitchfork for reviews. I check Rolling Stone. I check, you know, whatever. I, I, I just Google Meta, you know, Metacritic, whatever. Let's see. Yeah, obviously, you need something to point you in the right direction. But you got to do your best to just not spoil any of that experience whatsoever with any outside contact, with any outside um just in, you know, outside influence. I think it's, I think you owe it to the artist. I think you owe it to, uh, whether it's a movie, whether it's a, you know, when I saw, let's say, for example, when I saw the Revenant, I saw it with, uh, I, I saw it knowing, okay, this movie has great reviews. I know Leo's getting a lot of Oscar attention. I've seen one fucking trailer and I know I want to see this movie and that's it. It was the same thing for, uh, Star Wars. I went in with the same attitude. I'm like, this movie. I mean, I did go in being like, this movie's gonna be fucking amazing. But like, you know, and I was, I would left a little disappointed. If you listen to that episode, I kind of went off a little bit. But either way, I went in with the right attitude. I went in with, all right, this is gonna be fun. I'm gonna enjoy this. Or okay, cool. It has good reviews, so I should expect good things. I'm not saying I'm expecting this is gonna be the most life changing movie ever because you can't set your expectations that high. You should never do that with any type of media, any type of music movies. Oh, their new album's coming out. It's been four years. LCD. Oh my god. There. No, don't. Don't expect too much. You're gonna leave yourself. You're gonna leave yourself short. So go in as blind as you can. You know, listen to listen to Cyan Nugent. Listen to listen to that album and listen to it by yourself. Put your headphones in. Driving your car on a on a cloudy rainy day when you're just chilling. You don't want anything too upbeat and you just want to relax and and listen to some um, listen to some beautiful beautiful fretwork and and um, talented guitarist and talented singer songwriter. I think and and what I really respect about him as a musician. Um, what I most respect about him, he reminds me a lot of Mac DeMarco. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, he does kind of, but but I think in the Pitchfork review, they say, you know, he's like Kurt Vile. Well, if Kurt Vile can, you know, his singing style is like, if Kurt Vile can do this, I can. And I get that comparison. It reminds me, and it's kind of like in Mac DeMarco, I think he doesn't have a great, great voice. Him as um, Peter Sagar and, and Homeshake, you know, some of those artists I feature, you know, they don't have, you know, beautiful voices. They don't have these voices that, you know, you listen to Thundercat, you can understand this guy. He he could step up to a mic and, and he can hit all the notes and he can just flow with any sound. I mean, it's, you know, a lot of that R&B sing, sing songwriting uh, style, they don't have that. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, and that's what I really respect about them. That's what I really ex- respect about uh, Cyan Nugent. And, and just a disclaimer, I don't know if I'm 
if I'm pronouncing his, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right at all. It's C-I-A-N. I'm guessing it's Cyan. Who knows? But I know Nugent. I know how that's pronounced, thankfully. Nonetheless, um, his voice, you know, it's not, you'll hear it right there. It's kind of like, oh, a little scraggly, a little, kind of reminds me of Tobias Jesso Jr. a little bit, but um, Tobias, I, I think, has a, you know, a little bit more of a, a sound voice, a little more grounded, a little more, uh, you know, he kind of hits all the notes. Um, while he may he may have to work a little bit for them, he does hit them, and and, and I think it's a little different for Sign because I think there's sometimes you kind of hear his voice almost crack a little bit or or miss a note and just not not really um, not really connect that perfectly. But that's kind of the beauty of his music, and I think that's you know if you're looking to do that and if it fits the the structure then by all means, by all means, you know, sing, just do it. Whatever works for your style. If you're going to, if you're going to make it fit and make it, um, make it sound, make it sound right, then, then, then do it. And I'll listen all day. I'm not going to be one of those people. If he doesn't have, you know, I need the most beautiful, you know, I need, if he can't do a falsetto, no, it's like, come on, just whatever gets the job done. And I, I think he has his own style. I think he, he has his own vibe, his own style, and his own, um, like I said, it's just that it's a little folky, but it's not too folky. It's not like fucking Mumford and Sons, but stomping like, ding, 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 you know, like we're not listening to any banjo and there's nothing wrong with that, that type of music. I'm, I don't really listen to that kind of music that much. I used to, I went through like a Mumford phase two or three years ago. Um, but, but I kind of got out of that style of music. It's just not, you know, it's just not my favorite and it, there's nothing wrong with that. Some people love it and I can listen to it. I can definitely, I went to, um, uh, an outdoor show, uh, in, in a backyard. Um, it was a gorgeous thing, like under a tree, some was, you know, like these intimate acoustic sets and, and the, the music was a little more folky, a little, very acoustic, obviously, as you'd expect in an intimate setting like that. And it was beautiful. I loved it. I thought the music was great. I thought the atmosphere was awesome. Um, you know, it's just something in terms of what I listen to when I plug my headphones in or when I'm, you know, chilling, I want to put on some music while I'm, you know, playing some video games, doing some work, whatever. It's just not the style that I'm really into that much. So I'm, I'm, what I like about this album is it, it has a lot more blues influences. He has some guitar solos on there and he really just honestly, he just works the fretboard and he just is very smooth. He runs up and down it and slides up and down it and it all just sounds so, so very, um, fluid. So you, you gotta listen. And if you like guitar, you'll, you'll like the album, you know, respect like, Oh, that was a, that was a very heartfelt solo. It wasn't a solo to say, Hey, I can fucking play the guitar. It's, that was a solo to be like, well, you know, this is what I've made thus far with this song. And this solo will accompany that and, and push it even further as opposed to just using it as a, as a, backing track for your for your solo jam session you know he's not going Jeff back on us he's he's just he's just playing the guitar as, as to what the song's asking for so I, I think he's immensely talented and, and yeah this is less than 24 hours later but I can, I'm gonna say it I really like him I really like his music and I know he's gonna be coming to Phoenix sometime soon I think tickets like $10 I think I'm gonna go see him I think I owe it to myself after not seeing Thundercat at the same venue for like $15 <laughs> foolish foolish Nonetheless, uh, we're 20 minutes in, and I really haven't introduced the podcast. Um, content for the culture. I know I already said episode nine, but I just wanted to talk about Cyan a little bit, see where we're at. Um, if you're listening here, and you're, we're 20 minutes in, like I like I said, um, well, you like good music, you like good movies, you like good TV, and you don't like Shades of Blue with Jennifer Lopez. You, you, you don't like anything Ray Liotta has done since Goodfellas. Okay, we'll just put it that way. If you're listening to this podcast, you don't like those things. And, um, I'm glad you don't cause I don't either. And I don't like bullshit movies. I don't like bullshit TV. I don't like bullshit music. I like listening to the real stuff, the authentic stuff, the heartfelt stuff. 
that's you know a true expression of what an artist wants to uh, uh, a true expression of, of a story an artist wants to tell so content for the culture thanks for listening Cyan Nugent is a featured artist this week and um, I, I wanted to just kind of touch on I was struggling to get out to do the podcast today I really was Reed Blakey and I, um, my buddy, I think I mentioned him a few episodes, um, around the beginning. I'm like, well, we'll do it. We'll do an episode together. We'll do an episode together. We'll make it happen. And I was, I was excited. Um, and the problem was, is we, we never had a mic. I only have one mic. I just wanted to see how it worked. I got a second mic or no, he got a second mic from his friend who has a podcast and we were going to give him a shout out. We had to, and I'll, I'll, I'll give him a shout out when we do an episode together. Um, as, as I see, it's only fitting. We wait until then, but we got everything together. We're at his apartment, we're setting up. I mean, I feel so official. I'm like, oh, this is how Mark Marin does it. Oh man, I'm fucking. This is badass. He's like taking pictures. I'm getting ready to snap story. I mean, it's gonna be an event. And then um, we put all the headphones in and and get the mic set up. It all sounds good. I can hear him. He can hear me. It, it sounds it sounds good. I'm like, all right, this is this is awesome. This is a this is gonna be a work between the two of us. And we've always considered doing this together a little bit, or him coming on, you know, fairly frequently because. He likes to talk about, I mean, he's a huge movie guy. He's getting a movie, you know, film degree and he likes movie. you know, he may not be as much of a music fan. It would be more of a TV and, and movie focus, but there's nothing wrong with that. I love it. Just a good discussion is all that matters. And we're ready. We're geared up. We got coffee, everything set. And then of course we're like, well, let's just do a sound check. Make sure it actually sounds good when you play it back. I like to do that every time before I start, we do it. And everything I'm saying is coming in through the right headphone and everything he's saying is coming in through the left headphone. Like we're over your shoulder talking. I'm like, Oh my fuck. I'm like, no, we can't fucking do this. And we're, we weren't going to compromise. So we didn't, um, I will say we did work on it for like two or three hours. It was fucking awful and never found an answer. So, um, shortly we'll do an episode together and it'll be exciting. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, we'll probably bitch about it a little more on that episode when we do get to do it together. We're planning on doing, um, Oscar preview and an Oscar review, uh, coming up here mid February. And then, you know, obviously late February or, uh, or March, early March. So that, you know, look, keep an eye out for that and you're out for that, whatever. Um, and nonetheless, it was just, it was just disappointing. We, we had it all set up. So I was kind of a little bummed to do this episode by myself cause we were just so geared up, but Hey, it's all good. It'll happen in the future. Um, uh, got to stay consistent. So to all you four listeners that listened to the bonus episode last week, I hope you enjoyed. The uh, list is up on contentfortheculture.com for my top 10 albums of 2015. Take a listen. Hope you enjoy. I got the Spotify links there. Got the um, got all the YouTube links to the albums. You can play the playlists through there. Um, pretty convenient stuff. Hope you check it out. You know that bonus episode didn't get a lot of lis- li- uh, didn't get a lot of listens. It doesn't matter. Um, it's not what it's about. Uh, it's about you know one person listens and I influence their musical musical choices, that's fine. You know, that's really all that matters. And so, uh, for all, anybody that did listen or consider those choices or wants to share them with me, you know, that's great. Um, hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, and like I said, content for the culture.com that, that episode is up. It's a bonus. I mean, you'll listen to like, Oh, what is this? There's no discussion. There's no, there's no conversation. And that's really what it was. I was just kind of rolling with it. So, um, apologies if you were kind of disappointed with it, but I just wanted to give you guys a feel for the songs that were on each album, let them play a little bit, respect the artist, respect the music, and then, um, just talk about them a little bit, but it's kind of hard to talk about it with the music in the background. So a bit of a weirder, different, different kind of episode. So nonetheless, here we are. Episode nine, episode nine was going to be a, um, a partnered episode. It wasn't, it wasn't unfortunately. So 
So, you know, Cyan Nugent to start. I, I hope you hope you listen to that album. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, it's I'll have it up on the website, hopefully. And, and I added some of his songs, a couple of his songs to the Content for the Culture playlist, which you should follow on Spotify. You can find the link to that on um, on my website as well, contentfortheculture.com. So the next topic I kind of wanted to tackle was uh, I, I finished season three of Boardwalk. Um, I haven't really started any new shows. I'm waiting for, you know, we got a lot of new shows coming up. We got Girls. I, yeah, Girls is a great show. If you don't like, it doesn't matter if you're a guy. You should enjoy Girls. It's a, it's a very scathingly funny show. Um, I, I, it's that classic dark humor. I mean, it's, it's a perfect show for HBO. You need to listen to it or listen to it. You need to watch it. Just listen to it. Don't watch it. Just listen to it. Um, you know, definitely watch that show. Um, Vinyl coming out is exciting. That looks like a great show. It has a, and what, what gets me excited about that is, let me look up who the actor is. I'm start getting a little feedback here. Chip Rossetti actor. Let's get his name because I come prepared for the podcast. One take, baby. Bobby Cannaval is his name. So I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly. Um, spelled C-A-N-N-A-V-A-L-E. He was in season three of uh, Boardwalk Empire. And spoiler alert... Okay, if you're fine with spoilers from Boardwalk Season 3, yeah, he dies in the season. And I wanted to talk about a little bit uh, the, the structure of how these series work when they introduce these characters in a season where it's like, they, they come out of the woodwork, they come out of nowhere, and you just know they're going to die by the end of the season. And, and it doesn't, look, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. It was a good season, it was exciting, and by the end of it, I'm like, alright, the showdown's here, he's got to kill the bad guy. Sopranos does the same thing, I think, in Season 3, season four, and they really did a great job developing a certain character. I can't remember his name. He kind of plays this, um, kind of like a bit of a prick. Uh, I mean, I guess all the mobster guys are kind of like that, um, on that show. Um, but he plays like that guy and he comes back from Miami. He's like, I'm back from Miami. And it's just like, they're introduced right at this season, the character you've never seen before. And I understand they have to do that. They have to bring in somebody else, you know, to kind of give that retribution for the character, somebody they can kill, somebody they can be at war with. But it is a little predictable, you know, you see it happen and it's, you almost want to see it go the other way, where it's like, they're going to kill them and then, boom, this person's a regular. Like, I, I really thought, I thought he was a great actor, a great character. Obviously, the way his character goes in season three, if you've ever watched Boardwalk, you kind of see, well, okay, he's getting a little, uh, he's he, he's getting a little in over his head. This guy's like pushing a lot of fucking buttons, obviously, you know, Nucky Thompson, uh, Steve Buscemi's character is gonna, you know, he's gotta get his revenge one way or one way or the other, and he does, you know, end of season, season finale, as you'd expect. So, uh, I kind of want to get into that. Um, and and I know the reason I even only mentioned that guy's name, that actor's name, was because of vinyl just coming out, and I I, I did mention how excited I am for that. I think uh, um, that guy from uh, Mick Jagger, I think Mick Jagger is gonna be producing it too. It's Scorsese, and it's the same guy who did Boardwalk. So. Uh, it'll be a great show. I'm excited to check that out. And obviously we got Thrones coming. So a lot of good shows coming out. And, and, you know, like I said, I haven't watched a ton of new shows or anything lately. Um, finished making a murderer. Obviously it was really good. And, and, and I've just been grinding through boardwalks. So nonetheless, rants ensuing. I don't really, two things. I don't know how I'm going to handle watching any of these new shows with with like a week in between episodes I really don't know I think and maybe it's just me maybe it's the millennial in me and and I but I think a lot of people would agree with me it should just start happening Netflix style 
and to just go that exact same way where, all right, you know what? We know you want to watch a show. Let's fucking give it to you and in one big package and you can finish it on one weekend. It, it should be that way. I don't understand why not necessarily. It may be, Maybe when you spread it out, it makes for you don't have to really develop as much content. You can kind of space it out a little bit more, create a little bit more anticipation. I get that. But like I'm watching Boardwalk right now and I I crushed through four episodes yesterday to finish the third season. And I mean, that's four hours of time. That's pretty, that's kind of crazy. But I like watching it where I can where I can just crush one episode after the next. And yeah, it is just that binger in me. And I think that's our generation a little bit because we've been given these options with digital content to stream and fast forward and do whatever we want. But I, I just think it works better. I think it it almost, the when you can binge like that, you kind of help keep track of the story because these shows are so damn dense. So many damn characters, especially something like Boardwalk, it's so dialogue driven and political that, and same with House of Cards, you know, there's a ton of, there's a ton of, uh, characters and politicians this that and the other names and it's when you just kind of watch them one after the other it almost enhances the story in my opinion i i really do think that um but on the on that same note it almost is a little easier to get to the second point i'm trying to make and that, that i mentioned earlier it, it gets to, it makes it a little easier to notice a little bit of transparency in the uh in, in in terms of storytelling where you can kind of see the character arcs really developing um, and the plot really kind of rounding out, you, you know, like I said, you can really tell when they introduce a character, it's so much more obvious when they introduce him in a random season and you just see it happen the first episode and you're like, okay, this guy's dead. And then, you know, you see the second episode and it's ramping up, it's ramping up. And then he goes away for a little bit, maybe to kind of like, Oh, let's make suspense. Maybe he's not a thing. And it comes back and this, that, and the other back and forth, back and forth. And when you crush these episodes, one after the other, one after the other, it makes it a little easier to be like, all right, well, I know what I'm watching here. So, you know, maybe on that note, it might take away from it. But but I, I overall, I, I really think it is better. And the same thing happened for Sopranos. Like I said, there was that season. I think it was season three, too. They introduced a character and he ends up dying at the end of the season. And yeah, spoiler alert. If you haven't fucking watched The Sopranos, it's your problem. Okay. <laughs> I, I watched it for the first time like two years ago, a year and a half ago. And, and I, you know, someone spoiled it for me. What, you know, there's no complaint you can make at that point. It's been, it's been you know, come on. Statue of Limitations has been, has passed. Let's be real. Nonetheless, it's kind of frustrating watching those shows like that where you just know what's going to happen. And I get it's with these series, you know, you do have to suspend the belief of, okay, I know the main guy's not going to die. And in a movie, you have that where it can happen. But I just don't I don't like movies as much because there's just not as deep of storytelling. It's not as dense. It's not as um, it, it carries so much more weight these shows that just develop and develop and develop um, with, you know, like I think at, in, in Boardwalk, you you don't get Nucky Thompson, Steve Buscemi's character, obviously the lead. You don't get his backstory or like a really deep backstory on his like family life, his wife that he has that they talk about a little bit. You don't get that backstory until either like end of season one or beginning of season two. I think it's end of season one and it's like, holy shit, they held out 10 hours in. They, they they thought this character was so worth it they would wait 10, 10 hours to tell us that about their backstory and that's awesome and it doesn't come out cheesy at that point because it's at 10, 10 hours it's organic you're like okay at this point in the plot he has to tell her what's going on or what happened with his wife what happened with his kid something like that you know so I don't know I, I, I don't really know what I'm trying to get at I just kind of wish I think I might just be frustrated because I you know I watched season three and 
on one hand, I'm like, okay, they introduce this character and it's kind of like, as their, as their conflict meets its climax, I'm like, all right, you know, but I get that. They need to have a enemy he can kind of take out in one season. And then I know there's enemies that they have overall for each season that they're going to have to handle, you know, for, for that start in season one, they're going to have to handle in season four. And that's, that's a lot of character development too. So I think you take the good with the bad in terms of that. And then it's just, it's just the nature of the storytelling with, um, with these, you know, long series and, and mini series and stuff like that. Uh, you know, overall though, I, I, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take away from it in a, in a point that I wouldn't watch it. Um, I, I still, you know, I grind away on these shows. They're so fun to watch. They're so good. There's so much money being put into them. I, I don't understand how something like boardwalk, it can look so authentic and so true to its time and yet be a television show. I know they have like a monstrous budget, but you watch these other movies where they have these trailers coming out. And it's just like all green screen. And, and it's, it's so sad. It's like, oh, you spent all your money, not on good writers, not on, you know, good story development and, and good casting and this and the other. You just tried to throw as much fucking money at this as you could um, get the green screen set up and just do, you know, it just looks bad. And, and, and that kind of, I think there's a new movie with Jamie Lannister, the guy who plays Jamie Lannister and uh, Game of Thrones coming out. And it just looks like such shit. You'll see it as one of those typical commercials for, you know, in between football. You'll see it and you'll be like, okay, this is not worth my time. This is this is just a fucking joke. Like it is a joke of a movie, and it's it's just like literally in the trailer on the TV spot, you can tell, oh, that's a fucking green screen. Like how sad is that? You know, how sad is that that people want to see that and want to spend time with that? I I just I get you know there's some audiences that might enjoy it or you know younger audiences. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're like a grown adult being like, I want to go see that looks so cool. It's like no, go see something with a real fucking story. It can still be you know fantasy related it can not you know it can have dragons and shit i don't care i love game of thrones but you know it has to have a good story at heart that's that's the basis of it all and so you know boardwalk has that obviously a lot of these great hbo shows do so i'm enjoying boardwalk i I don't think you you know if you haven't watched it yet you need to watch it it's a great show and it's slow at first but it really gets rolling and 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 you start to see it's a lot like you know the wire the sopranos everything like that each season has a huge effect on one another and it all tells a very coherent story from beginning to end and the whole series itself is developing the character of nucky thompson i haven't read a single thing about him in real life based on a real real person i'm sure it's exaggerated in some senses of course as as all those shows are but great show nonetheless and and i'm just nervous for uh I'm nervous for, you know, Game of Thrones coming out and that show Vinyl coming out. I'm excited for them, but I'm nervous about the way that they're going to be released. I'm nervous about watching them week by week by week. I'm going to go fucking crazy. I did it with True Detective and I just was, it, it took away from it. I was just, oh man, I'm like, God damn it. I got to wait for this show. to. <laughs> Actually, no, True Detective was different. I'm like, I got to wait for this show to get good by next week. Ah, and I kept saying that every week. And then finally, by like the sixth episode in the Mexican shootout in the middle of LA where literally 1500, like, it was just like, you know, it was a fucking full on warfare. I'm like, all right, this show is just, nope, off the rails. You know, you get to that point with some shows, you just go, okay, that, that, you know, that decided it for me. That's how it was with Dexter. Spoiler alert, Dexter. When uh, I'm I'm gonna spoil real big right now with Dexter, so turn this off if you're if you haven't watched it. But yeah, when Rita dies, <laughs> season four, season five, it's like okay, off the rails. Like sometimes you know you kill a character that matters so much to a story that it really it affects it. You know, I I I kind of wanted to. That's actually kind of another reason that brings me to another point with Boardwalk. They did that same thing at the end of season two. Spoiler alert! I just like spoiling shit on this show. Spoiler alert! Uh, they kill off. Uh, Jimmy and uh, what is his name Michael 
whatever. I don't think he's that good of an actor in that show, honestly. Um, let's see what his name is. Jimmy Darmody. Oh, wow. Google knows I've been watching Boardwalk. Like, there's so many other Jimmys. Sorry for the feedback there. Played by Michael Pitt. I got the Michael right. Nonetheless, they kill his character off at the second season. And they do these things with these shows where they have to move to another character. And you can kind of just feel the show itself lose a little bit of a, of its steam sometimes. I think Game of Thrones does an amazing job of killing off characters and then just fucking rolling with the story. And obviously, if you watch those, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Red Wedding, anything. It doesn't matter. I mean, they're literally every season. And those shows do the best because they have so many characters. It's so... I mean, they're, they're really... It just It's so expansive. I mean, it's a whole world that when someone dies... It's like, all right, you know, I mean, at first you're like, holy shit, I can't believe this person died. And then you watch the next episode and it's like, oh, story's still rolling. Oh, I have this character I care about. Okay, great. Okay, this is awesome. Boardwalk, it felt a little different. I, you know, Jimmy dies at the end of the second season and they have to develop these other stories where, you know, they got to work a little bit more on another character and, and go into these areas of uh, of the plot that you haven't experienced, for, uh, experienced before going, you know, kind of... Uh, you get the in the household experience with certain characters that you never got and you only, you know, not on the surface, which is fine. That has to happen. But but sometimes you can feel it like, mm, not really into this. I'm not saying you shouldn't have killed off that character, but maybe you should have been more prepared. And, I, and I, I think season three of Boardwalk, it was good. I enjoyed it. But I think it was one of those, all right, you know, I we got to kind of build it up in between. He's got to be at war with these people, this, that, and the other. We got to build up some conflict, build up some tension so it can snap at the end of season four, I'm sure, season five the last season um you know none, it, there's in between seasons that's how house of cards was uh and i'm not even going to get into that right now because i could go off for about fucking 30 minutes just on that season three alone uh but but yeah it, it's it's a great show felt like a little bit of in between season nonetheless go watch it um i just think the nature of these series you know there are some i i, I just binge them so hard you start to see some um consistencies develop that are both good and bad you know, you, you have these characters, uh, especially the ones I watch, like Sopranos and, and Boardwalk with these, you know, very anti-hero kind of characters leading it. They, you know, you kind of see that, oh, well, they're the good guy. Then they got the wife. Oh, then they're cheating on her. Then they're doing this. Then they're doing drugs. Then they're drinking. You know, you kind of just see this similar pattern a little bit. I mean, it all started with Sopranos. You know, if you haven't watched Sopranos, you have to go watch it. It's it's all it all started there. It's 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 where it began that kind of storytelling. And I love it. I think it's my favorite type of, of kind of, you know, kind of drama and, and, and those HBO shows. That's what I love. That's what I look for. That's why I couldn't even believe it. I'm like, I haven't seen boardwalk yet. What am I doing? Uh, you know, but you see those consistencies develop between the character, the main guy, the, the female characters. I see the same thing with Margaret Schroeder as I did with uh, Tony Soprano's wife. Um, you know, you kind of see that happen a little bit. They try and humanize them and, show how difficult it is for them and and it's good and bad you know you get to learn different things but also at the same time like all right i kind of saw this coming it's the same thing with when that season ends sorry i just dropped my phone it's the same thing when that season ends and you know okay well this guy's gonna die this guy's gonna die it's been geared up since the beginning of the season but nonetheless i enjoyed it i hope you do too i i, I think you should check it out uh and and just you know give me your thoughts i i think it's interesting when when you when you see these patterns develop um, with these shows that are so original and yet they all have to take from one another in, in some way, in one way, one way, shape or form. But yeah, nonetheless, great show. And uh, I'm into it right now and, and I'll keep my eye out for new shows and, uh, and, uh, you know, we're at the 40 minute mark. We might as well move to, uh, to really the final topic. 
And I finally saw, you know, I, I still need to see what, what I think it's Hateful Eight. And um, I actually want to see that weird kind of claymation animated movie from Charlie Kaufman and Lisa. I think it's like an hour and a half long. It looks really interesting. Uh, you know, very strange. I think I don't know. I'd want to see that with anybody else because I'd be like, okay, this is kind of weird. Uh, but I, I saw the Big Short, and it was really fucking good. I was so pleasantly surprised. I really, really was. And directed by Adam McKay. I mean, the guy who's done like Anchorman and stuff. And he goes to show these guys are talented. You know, it doesn't. They're directing some. You know, they're directing fucking super bad. They're still. You know, it doesn't matter. These people make good movies. These people are, they're, they're artists one way or the other, whether it's a comedy, a drama, dramedy, which I would probably say this movie was. It was very funny and very tongue-in-cheek, very comical, but at the same time, very serious and very like, oh, wow, this is really sad. This had a huge effect on people. This changed people's lives very negatively and oh, very negatively. And for very few, it changed it in, like incredibly positively. Um but it was it was a great movie. Um, basically, you know, just just a general synopsis. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's been out for a couple, I think, like a month or two now. You know, with the Oscar season around, and um, it's it's really about uh, the housing crisis that happened in like 2007, 2008, um, and just the crash with like the loans, housing loans, and people, the, the you know housing market bubble, everything like that. And basically, it just talks about the people that shorted the housing market, which in investing means you're going to bet against it essentially, and you know they ended up winning because they, they saw the trend happening. And it really is incredible. Uh, I, I thought it was a very interesting portrayal of the subject, and it even went to show that these people that made money, you know, even, like, I think Steve Carell's character struggled with it the most. Um, and I'm not spoiling anything. You know they're going to make the damn money. That's the whole point of the fucking movie. But, you know, when he makes the movie, not that, that's not the whole point of the movie. That's the story of the movie. But the point of the movie is, you know, more about the banks and, and the government and bailing people out. It's really interesting. But he... Steve Carell's character, even, you know, he wins, he, he get, wins the money. It's not even winning money. It's like, you know, you almost kind of lose it at the same time. And it, and it really examines that aspect of, of, of shorting something like that, where the whole world suffers an economic downturn. And then you're, you know, the one of the few that comes out on top because of, you know, it's kind of sad, but it is good. And, and I think Adam McKay did a good job and I know it's getting a lot of Oscar buzz right now. And, and me and Reed were actually going to talk about that on the episode we're going to, you know, we'll do an Oscar preview overall, but I just wanted to briefly touch on the movie and I think you should go see it. I think it's good. I think, uh, all the actors are great. Ryan Gosling, Steve Carell, um, Christian Bale were all three very good. Actually, I think Brad Pitt kind of sucked. Has he reached that point in his career? Am I an asshole? Like, I think he's reached that point where it's like you, you, you hit that age and, and I th- hopefully don't, I don't think George Clooney's there yet. Cause I think he's still doing good movies. He's got Hail Caesar coming out, which I cannot wait to see the new Coen brothers movie. But you know, there's those actors, they just get good enough or not good enough, but they get, you know, they do enough good movies or, you know, they just get famous enough where they just don't give a shit. And he's playing this like minor character, which is kind of cool. It's like, all right, you know, Brad Pitt, you're just going to take on this measly little role that only has a few lines. And, but even the lines, like there was like this one scene where he's delivering this line. And I'm like, what the, f- are you, Sir, I can see you acting. You know what I mean? It it just kind of like, it took away from the whole thing. Like I just heard, I'm like, that's fucking Brad Pitt talking right there. That's not his character talking. It's fucking Brad Pitt. And it just takes away from it. And I think, um, and so yeah, should he get the supporting Oscar nod? No, absolutely not. No, that, there's no buzz for that, of course. But I just kind of, I mean, I didn't have a huge problem with that. I thought it was kind of weak. And then I had one other problem with the movie and I just wanted to touch you know, ramble on this a little bit, rant on this a little bit, because I always got a fucking issue, don't I? There's no movie I do truly enjoy 100%. <laughs> there's a few, there's a f- select few, but 
there's always something that just fucking pisses me off. And let me tell you what it was. It's big short. And you'll see this in the first five minutes. Starts with Christian Bale's character. I think he's like monologuing about something. I don't know exactly. You know, he's good with numbers and stats and all this. I don't know. I can't remember exactly. But then he starts talking about his childhood. And it's just that fucking classic narration plus exposition plus flashback. And it was just like a three punch combo of corniness. I just couldn't fucking handle it. And I'm like, what in the, like, I, and it really, it, it turned me off for a second. I'm like, Oh no, this is going to suck. Like you just hear that, you know, it's like every time you, I think I started Narcos and I haven't even watched the show cause I just started it right at the beginning and it just had that narration and it just felt corny. And I know it sounds snotty and it is, and I need to give it a chance because same thing with big short, you know, you can find one little thing you have a problem with and then eventually love the entire movie. And it was just, I honestly had an issue with that. And then I just thought Brad Pitt was kind of like, eh, like, I don't know. I, I just didn't think it was that good. But I do just hate when that flashback comes in. It's so forced and just so fucking tried and true and cheesy. It, it has like him as a kid playing football and this character has a glass eye. And so he's kind of weird like, you know, he's just kind of strange dude. And he's playing football as a kid and his eye falls out of his face or head or whatever it is. Um, however you would phrase that. And, and, you know, he picks up the glass sign. It's like, even when I had, you know, just like that monologue, like when I had a glass sign and it's just, it's like, Oh, you're already forcing me to try and root for this character. Just let it happen naturally. You don't have to like give me him on his worst day. And then I'm like, Oh, I already relate to him. I already like him. It's just too, it's too easy. Like, come on, you can do better than that. So especially for an Oscar worthy movie, I just thought that itself, just like that little spurt, was just so unnecessary and, it, and I thought it took away from it just a little bit, just a tiny bit, not enough to make me not enjoy it. Overall, the movie's great. I think it says a lot about our banking system, our financial systems and, and how greedy people are in America and, and, you know, talks about the American dream and, and really what it's all about. And I think it's, um, I think it's interesting. I think it's a great movie. I saw it with all my, all my buddies and it was one of those rare movies, you know, I see it with four people and, and you all come out saying, Hey, well, we all enjoyed that. Like equally enjoyed that and equally loved it. So it was a great movie worth, uh, worth watching. And, and, you know, I think it will get maybe an Oscar nod or two. I, I don't know if it's best picture worthy. I know it's been getting a little buzz there. I won't get into that too much. I'll save that for the Oscar preview episode, my opinions on that, but overall, you know, check out big short, um, kind of ready to wrap up the episode. I think it's 46 minutes and roommates are coming home. I think you can hear them in the background door slamming. Um, it's all good. Um, you know, watch big short, go check it out if you can. Um, I, I'm going to try and see the hateful eight. If, if I, if it's still in theaters, try and see that. And then maybe, um, that other claymation one, and then I'll be good. I'm going to try and see the Oscar nominated shorts too. give my opinions on those. Um, of course, Boardwalk Empire, check it out, watch it. And then um, finally, yeah, just enjoy, uh, enjoy Cyan Nugent. I'm going to leave you with a song here. Um, let's find it here. It's going to be called, it's not going to be called, it is called Year of the Snake. A long song. I'm going to let it play for a while. So if you, you know, it's going to go for like six minutes, probably. I really want it to start picking up and then I'll, I'll shut it off. So nonetheless, I hope you enjoy. And if it's too long, you know, no, no need to listen all the way through. I just want you to get a feel for, for his kind of music, uh, really builds here. And you, you hear new instruments come in just in like the third or fourth minute. I mean, it really does develop and change. Um, and it's very expansive the way he develops these tracks. So 
I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, that's kind of the focus this week, as you can tell. I spent like 20 minutes just talking about him. I love the album already. So, so give it a listen. And then uh, also always, of course, check out contentfortheculture.com for updates about um, you know new episodes, blog posts, everything like that. If you want to get in contact with me, reach me there. Find the podcast on iTunes, Content for the Cultured, and um, and check out my Spotify playlist, Content for the Cultured. There, you just. Uh, It'll be on the website, links to it, links to my profile, follow me, and you'll just see uh, all the songs I had to playlists, uh, kind of keep up with the music there and not have to worry about the episodes all the time as well. Good way to find new music. So without further ado, thanks for listening here. This has been episode nine of Content for the Culture. Keep uh, keep an eye out and ear out for uh, Oscar preview coming up soon. Hopefully you do it with, uh, uh, with a good buddy of mine, and then it'll be a lot of fun. So nonetheless, here is Cyan Nugent from Night Fiction with You're the Snake. All right, have a good week. Thank mm-hmm. you.